welcome to Something for the Turbo, the new weekly podcast brought to you by Unfound, the global platform for the travel-loving cyclist. Today, I'm joined by David Lloyd. David is the co-founder of Velo Vietnam, and we enjoyed a fascinating discussion around just the incredible array of cycling on offer in Vietnam, the different areas you can cycle, the accommodation you can expect, food, the culture, and so much more. It was a really fascinating discussion. David also talked us through the frontier events that he's launched, and they sound just fantastic, something that I recommend everyone checks out. Anyway, without further ado, enjoy the conversation. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do subscribe and do spread the word as well. We'd love it if you can tell as many of your cycling friends as possible. But for now, let me introduce David. Enjoy the conversation. David, thank you very much for joining me. How are you? Great, thank you. Thanks for having me. Very good. Well, it would be good to have a, a little delve into the world of cycling within Vietnam. It's certainly not a place that naturally springs to mind for, for a cycling trip, but quite a diverse array of cycling on offer. How, how on earth did you end up with a cycling business in Vietnam? What brought you to Vietnam in the first place? The reason we came here back, back in the day was actually my wife. So she's a primary school teacher by trade and back in London, she was working in a, in a London primary school. And one summer she decided to take her six weeks and abandon me in London and go traveling. And so she went around Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam and fell in love with Vietnam. And then we got married in uh, 2010 and we'd always planned to go live abroad somewhere. And uh, so we were looking at where we could go and, and live and potentially work. And it was her choice to give Vietnam a go. So we, originally we planned for around six months here and I would work in uh, freelance I was uh, doing travel journalism and she would volunteer and we just fell in love with the place. And so as I say, that was 2010 and we've been here ever since. Oh, wow. So it's been a uh, decade now. Yeah. And in terms of like the link from how it moved from coming out here to starting a road travel, a cycling business, as I say, at the time, I was doing a lot of travel journalism and uh, I was working freelance for most of these newspapers and magazines, uh, but then got uh, a job with Footprint, the uh, British travel guides. So I was going around Vietnam and Laos and uh, generally I'd have a driver but I'd just give the drive my bag and then I would cycle my bike. So I got to know a lot of the, the roads in both Vietnam and Laos and just found it was just the most amazing place to both, the most amazing places to, to cycle. I had it in my mind for a long time. I'd love to set up a cycling tour company and share that with people. Okay. But I really, I wanted to do it with somebody uh, to have a partner. So it took uh, a while and eventually I was uh, introduced to Ashley, who's my, my business partner in Velo Vietnam. And so I met him for the first time in a bus station in Hanoi and we went went off to a three-day uh, cycling trip in uh, Hazang in the far north. And uh, of course, I had no idea at the start of that, that potentially we'd become business partners. But we got onto that night bus and uh, got onto the back of the bus. I remember getting on and it was maybe 10 p.m. at night. And I really didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to get my head down and sleep. And I looked over at Ash, who was a couple of seats ahead of me. And he was deep in Vietnamese conversation with his travel partner next to him and I just thought that's perhaps the kind of guy that would be uh, would be good to go into business with I just had that a good feeling about it straight away that he just got straight stuck into a to a Vietnamese conversation with somebody at that time and yeah so I had a good feeling straight away and in the end uh, yeah we we started Bella Vietnam together oh right so it's just a chance meeting that you guys were getting the, the coach up there the bus up there well it was a friend of mine Matt who lived in Hanoi and uh, so he's he'd been buddies with Ash back in Canberra for for years and they'd cycled together mountain bike road bike all sorts of uh cycling and then uh, yeah. so ash had never ridden in the north and got in touch with matt who uh, who knew i knew those roads well so ash was down in central vietnam at the time and discovering a lot of the roads around the hoi and area 
and I discovered a lot of the stuff up north. So I took him, almost kind of guided him around that for those three days. Actually, we had one other guy with us, Aaron, who's from uh, Hong Kong. So a lot of the people you know, or maybe you know him as well, Aaron Ackerson, a Swedish yes, cyclist yeah, from yeah. Project 852. He was on that trip as well with us. So that was probably 2014 or so. so and that's where you hatched the plan to, to set up Velivina. Yeah, well, I'd been hatching it for a while in my mind and it was I don't think I actually mentioned it to Ash on that trip it was sort of afterwards we had I, I thought perhaps he's the right person and we we got into a bit more of a discussion about it later on I can't actually really remember how it how it all happened but somehow after that we became uh, yeah Velo Vietnam partners and prior to getting to, to Vietnam were you a cyclist by background is that your do you uh, back in, uh, in the so UK I'm from or? Norfolk so yeah, the opposite of uh, somewhere <laughs> I mean I love the mountains and cycling in the mountains or running yeah. in the mountains but from Norfolk so I used to Spend a lot of my time in uh, North Wales, and it was oh, a mix of yeah. so Snowdonia and uh, just outside Snowdonia. So it would be uh, sort of mountain biking there, and a lot of whitewater kayaking and fell running. And so it was more—I was a much more balanced individual at that point in terms of sport. But when I came out to Vietnam, it completely shifted. There was no mountain running scene here at all at that time. There is a huge scene now, okay. but then yeah. there was nothing. And it was about really discovering Vietnam and getting out on the bike and seeing the country and travel and the best way to do that was the was, was the road bike so I really became much more focused as a, as a cyclist when I came out here but yeah back in the as I say North uh, Wales would be and then also when I lived in London I'd cycle out like do classic kind of like laps around Regent's Park kind of cycling and ride out to Brighton and South Downs etc but uh so yeah and then yeah at school I always rode bikes to school and back so cycling's always been there but as a real passion it's been the last last 10 years very good so Vela Vietnam's been going five years now talk us through the kind of trips that you do it's quite diverse and it's evolving all the time but are they bespoke trips do you do sort of general tours how does it all work yeah they're all bespoke and we we generally do uh group tours although we, we've had a couple of of individuals so we had uh, for example we had one individual we took on our vietnam lao vietnam gravel epic over new year so one person uh, with ash we've had a couple of couples come as well and then we also have our big group training ride so it'll be uh, bike teams from the region generally that want to come in and smash themselves for four or five days on on big days and then we also have some small groups which are much more sort of pedestrian pace they're here to still knock out 100k maybe 150k a day but they're not after sort of segment hunting or going particularly quickly but they're you know, more into just enjoying the cycling and, uh, and the food and, and the scenery so I frankly enjoy everything there's so much an offer in, in Vietnam I've, I've done a bit of traveling there and I'm still sort of discovering it but h- how would it work would a group come to you or an come to you and say okay this is what we're thinking and you would tailor it accordingly or would they say okay we're thinking about going up to the north and then you can sort of work around that how does it normally sort of pan out in terms of planning a tour and how would you decide what part of Vietnam or what riding to do for, for each individual group uh, normally if when we get an inquiry we'll try and have a chat over skype or whatsapp with the with the person so we can uh, get a good idea about what they're looking for and in that chat we can talk about yeah what time of year and what time of year will affect where they go and then we can have a chat about how much climbing they want what sort of how much how many k's a day and then Generally, after that chat, then I'll put together or Ash will put together some options and then we'll send okay. them across and then probably have another quick chat. And then we we create something for them. So it's all all bespoke. We don't have any set departure tours where you can join a group with with other riders at the moment. That might be something we do in future. But for, for now, it's uh, all bespoke, which is great. So it's, it's totally built around the individual group, which is quite exciting. You mentioned time yeah, of year there. 
I was gonna say it's one another good thing about that is that not only do they get what they want, that we we know that the people who are gonna well we're ninety nine percent sure that when people come they're gonna be happy with it. So you know it yeah. removes that yeah. kind of risk factor of uh, sort of misselling yeah. somebody something essentially. But uh, yeah, time of year is it all year? Can you go all year round? Yeah, absolutely, you can go all year round. Um, the best time in here in central. So I'm now talking to you from Hoi An in central Vietnam, and uh, here is fantastic. In fact, actually, this season has been a bit strange. So all the way from October was beautiful right the way through to now has been fantastic. Wow. Um, now the weather starts to get a bit warmer. But okay. uh, if you want to do, if you you know, we can get go inland and get some altitude from here. And so even though it's hot, it's we, we just do early starts and try and stay a bit higher. And then it's uh, still okay. pleasant to ride. And then we can do a lot of rides where we go along the coast as well. So then you've got the sea air and you can always you know, jump in the ocean at a lot of the points along the rides as well. So so down here is good, uh, as I say, like right the way that's, through actually, that's October. A, October to what now is sort of May time. Well, so now and then we still have groups come in sort of notably around. So there's Ironman here in May normally. And we've had right, groups come okay. from come for Ironman and then do a tour after that. And right up until until June, and then people can still come. We'll still do things July if people in this part of the world, if people are happy to ride in fairly hot temperatures. And then up north in the in really high mountains, up there you can ride like fantastic March, April through to now is fantastic. And then later on, September, October, November, December is beautiful as well, and particularly September for the harvest. So you've got the golden. Okay, so they're the two sweet spots. Yeah, but yeah, any time we've got their place. So let's start with where you are now and delve into that a little deeper. I mean, for those that haven't been to Hoi An, it is one of the most incredible little towns anywhere I've been in the world, really. Tell us a little bit about the town and, and how you would run a tour there and, and what's on offer from a cycling perspective, but also off the bike as well, because it's one of my favourite places I've ever, ever been to. We'd like to, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. It's just, so we, that's why we, we just moved here a year ago with my family. I've got so two kids and it's a fantastic place for, for family holidays. So it's one, one option you can do here as well is bring, bring family. And we can try and mix in things off the bike for, for, the, for the kids and whichever partner doesn't want to ride. So family options are, are big in Hoi An. Otherwise, yeah, the riding here, uh, we normally start and finish tours here because as you say so it's a magic little place so you got, and you've got fantastic food options great little coffee shops more and more fantastic coffee shops actually yeah. so the riding in the immediate area around the town is, is quite flat and easy so it's also good for just a little warm-up acclimatization ride but then we'll normally head in to towards Laos so this this part of Vietnam is very thin you can ride in a day and you'll be right, up in okay. the mountain looking over the border into into Laos and you've got wow. a lot of very remote jungle climbs out there so you'll be you can ride through say like 30 or 40 kilometers without really seeing a shop and barely seeing a car or even another motorbike and have some 9k 10k climbs and then we can stay in up in the mountains there you can stay in very very basic kind of remote ethnic minority village homestays and then uh, you can come back down huge descents back to towards the coast and then the closer you get to the coast the more kind of upmarket accommodation you you can have so what we tend to do for groups who want it is take them and show them the more sort of authentic and sort of real Vietnam up at high in the mountains and then bring them back down to the towards the coast for a bit of more of a luxurious stay and, and then you've got the the coastal roads to bring you back over into Hoi An which is the kind of the most famous okay not famous outside Vietnam but famous within within the country in the area is the, the Hai Van Pass which is a 9k 5% but either side of the pass you and fantastic pavement 
on the way, particularly on the way down as you come back down into uh, Danang. And then in Danang City, which is just uh, 25k up the road from here, we've got a peninsula called Sancha, which is home to endangered uh, red shank Dirk Langer, the most amazing primates. And if you go out early and take on some of the ridiculously steep climbs at the back end of that peninsula, then uh, you've got quite a good chance of seeing those and get you get the views back across the two bays of Danang City. So there's a yeah. huge uh, variety you can do. A in, huge array in, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And where do people, if people are coming from Europe or the US or, or elsewhere, can you fly directly to Da Nang or how, how, how would you get to Hoi An? Uh, the majority of our customers are from the region. So Singapore, Hong Kong, Thailand, and they just fly straight into Da Nang. And then we have had, we've had people come in from the US, different parts of Europe, UK, of course. And most of those have done the Northern tours, actually. So they just fly straight into Hanoi and go straight out from there. Right. Okay. But if you ride, if you fly into here, one of the great things about the cycling out of the central Vietnam region is for, let's say, Singapore or Hong Kong guys, they come in on the morning flight and then we'll be out on a ride straight from the city, straight onto that peninsula in time for lunch or do an afternoon ride there. So that's one of the big benefits of doing a a central Vietnam ride is just so so easy so you can you don't have to waste yeah. a day or lose a day on on transfers faffing around yeah that's that's amazing and for those that don't know Hoi An it's a UNESCO World Heritage Town isn't it or site and tell us a bit about the town itself because it's for those that don't know it's it's a wonderful place to go and visit yeah so it's an ancient trading town and there's the central part of the town is this classic yellow or it's all yellow painted throughout and it really is kind of like picture postcard, beautiful. Maybe if you think about somewhere like Venice, Dubrovnik, then you would slot it in along alongside those. Uh, it does get quite busy now with tourism. But if you go out early, like cyclists tend to do, then we can roll through the town and you get a feeling of it like it was back in the day before people had discovered it. Um, yeah. So we'll tend to ride through there dead early and then pick, like shoot through some of the markets, enjoy some local street food, and then uh, get out, out of the town once people are, get up at a normal time of day to, to come in and enjoy it but yeah it's, it's it's absolutely stunning and people are super friendly here very very cyclist friendly town as well and yeah amazing amazing food culture the food is amazing in vietnam and, and anyone listening that's that's gluten intolerant as well vietnam is a great place to visit because most things are rice based right <laughs> yeah it's rice and rice and a lot of herbs and it's a very easy place to be veggie or vegan so yep. you know i i will eat Refresh. meat but I, yeah i eat veggie a lot of the time here actually and it's in central vietnam or north vietnam it's, it's really easy to do that but again but for meat lovers it's also a, an awesome place and if you're for seafood because right here we're on the coast and so the old town of hoi an you, that you've been to and you're familiar with if you if you ride through that and sh- towards the coast a bit more there's a, a fish market there that, so each morning super early in the morning they bring in the daily catch and you can go down there and buy that or you go and find the restaurants that you know are, ser- are serving it and so for seafood lovers it's a heaven fantastic so if we then venture to what you do in the north of the country where so that's into hoi an or you base yourselves in hoi an then go up north or how does that work uh, normally people do a tour in either central vietnam so out of hoi an or danang and or they do they choose the north and so the north yeah that's what i mean sorry uh, yeah so in the north people fly into hanoi hanoi and then yeah. we do sorry, hanoi, in, yeah <laughs> i do that one so uh yeah it's a confusing hanoi and hoi an but <laughs> We yeah, yeah. we generally we fly them in, but you can ride out of straight out of the city. But normally we transfer people. So we've got two big areas we go to up there. One is uh, we go up northeast, so that's where the the northern frontier ride that we do, which is more of an event style tour. So it's just a four day ride, which has a competitive element. With we have we lay out seventeen KOM segments on it. So in between the segments, which are all uphill, you can ride easy and 
relax with your friends and chat that when it comes to the segment if you want to you hit it and then it becomes a competition so that is uh we go to the to the northeast we just transfer uh, about an hour and a half out of the city and then we ride from there around 600k with 9,000 meters of elevation over the four days and up up in the in the northeast it's very rugged limestone mountains with more shades of green than you can imagine and a lot of new road actually so this uh, northern frontier ride especially the guys out of who came out of hong kong and singapore who weren't but had i think quite low expectations of the road quality they were going to hit could not believe that the first day it was like pool table quality all day long wow up there and then in uh then you get further up right into the the very north which along the border with uh with china uh more remote the roads are a little bit less perfect up there but still you can still ride 23 mil tires if you want to up there all day long okay and then uh you've got huge passes up to around 1500 meters and some monster sort of 18k 19k climbs up there the other area we go to is uh the northwest which is probably what people imagine when they think of vietnam a bit more so the the rice terrace postcard pictures of these huge rice terraces that's more of the scenery up there and up there you've got anything up to 30k one of the climbs is 30 kilometers so yeah oh, wow. European is that the Sapa area yeah so up to the Sapa area you do that one normally we come in a back way and don't do that monster we do a slightly different climb but if people really want to hit something huge then we can take them around to the, the 30k one and, and then people who are interested in Strava quite like that because they're very few despite the fact it's 30 kilometers and amazing I think it's, I don't know I haven't looked at a leaderboard lately but it's maybe 50 people who've done it or not certainly oh, not wow, many no, so okay. if, you want, if you're looking for top 10 then uh, it's a pretty good place to, to be. And and then, some, of course, we can link them together. So if people really want a monster, you can go northeast to northwest and put together an absolutely massive tour. But generally, people who want something so huge like that will say, maybe think about the Vietnam Lao. So they get to see two countries and then we take them from... Hanoi, uh, all the way down to Luang Prabang, Vientiane, and Champasak, and then back in and finish uh, with coffee in Hoi An. Wow, okay. You're going to have to give me some some notes to put in the show notes, some locations, just to get so people can help get their geography around the place as well. Yeah, we've been putting together a lot more content on the Velo Vietnam CC website. A lot of these are on there, so I'll send you some some links to to put up. And that tour, the the Lao one I'm talking about, is the one that we did first time with customers, was when Emma Pooley came and joined us on it. And uh, with just one friend of hers and so that's and that looked epic yeah, didn't you do some involved. incredible amount of climbing in a short amount of time what was the climbing stats no, i have to i have to love it i didn't go on that one actually ashley i used to work on guidebooks in Laos, and that's my background with it but actually ashley's wife is she's aussie but she's Lao heritage so he has a particular interest right, okay. in discovering Lao more and so he's yeah. the the kind of more the velo we actually bought velo Lao.cc as well and that's more his his domain but it's something like 2000k and i don't know a lot a lot of meters of gain a lot of climbing it's generally in Laos it doesn't it doesn't there's not much flat in the north it's up down up down up down all day long so uh, yeah it's tough going and we try and find uh, more a gravel or well dirt whatever gravel bike friendly roads in Laos so yeah whatever the, the elevation gain says it's you can kind of double it in terms of how it feels it's so, great yeah, so, so in terms of just a pure cycling perspective that you've, you've basically got anything on offer from a cycling perspective be it in the center or, or up north with the added element of the fact that it's genuine frontier not a 30 kilometer climb and 50 people have done it this is it's there's a bit of i suppose adventure element to it as well it's off the beaten track and has cycling been growing in vietnam over the since in the last five years how's the sport been evolving within the vietnamese community yeah it's growing massively i mean in terms of the the segment board stuff there i mean even out towards the climb we do out near lao i know like the first time we did that with some with a with a tour group we had about five women on it and those five 
five women became the five women on the on the QOM board. So it's that untouched that people are just aren't riding it at all in some places. But in terms of the scene, I'm, when I moved here in Hanoi, there was no bike shop where you could buy a road bike. And now I would guess there's probably 30 or so bike shop where you could buy a, a decent road wow. bike and proper good mechanics now but that's uh gives a good indication of it in terms of the the scene it's yeah it's developed massively the a good way to describe it actually is my the team the vietnamese team that i ride with like the local amateur team is called Taiho cycling and they got that name because they used to ride around Taiho lake hote lake in hanoi but just on mountain bikes you know really slowly and then they graduated across to the road and now they're they're racing they're racing bikes and they used to race maybe or ride as a team of maybe five or six and they would ride alone and then it would be another small team riding alone in, a, in another part of Hanoi different times of day and then uh, a couple of years ago or maybe maybe a bit more uh, one person started a club called T2 Cycling Open and the open in that means and they say it in English and the open means open to everybody anybody can join or anyone can just be there at 5 30 whether they're from that club or any other club and so now you would go on a good day and you might find 100 riders on that riding a wow. sort of semi semi race of every tuesday and thursday and then on sunday they have a, a proper race well it's completely illegal but <laughs> they ride they ride a race on the open roads every sunday and again that could be around 100 people and the same goes down in saigon you've got a few lots of different little bunches but they come together in a three or three different parts of the city and uh, yeah, yeah. So it's, a, it's a great scene uh, to be part of and it's super welcoming but completely different I have to say I did how it was a few years ago. I I have ridden once down in Saigon with Dale Nottingham, who I think worked with you. And I firstly I was blown away just how many cyclists and local cycling teams and clubs there were. It was staggering given how truly terrifying the traffic was. I'll be honest with you, it was uh, one of the scariest rides I've ever done. But to your point, incredibly accommodating group. When we got back into town, we grabbed coffee with everyone, and I said to everyone, "You guys must really, really love cycling to ride this every weekend." It's uh, it's busy down there right yeah Ho Chi Minh City is a is a different is a different ball game we don't do at fellow Vietnam we don't do any riding in the in the south there's beautiful riding in, in Dalat area but yeah Saigon I was going to just crazy. ask you about Hanoi, Dalat yeah yeah Dalat is fantastic that's another option so we've only done a couple of tours there and the, the reason we did it actually is because the group it was their fourth time I think it was the fourth time they'd come back to us for a for a training camp so we, we wanted to vary it up so we, we took them down to Dalat and actually the, the national team trained there and it's a beautiful place right. and the climate's a lot more sort of European a bit cooler and you're staying up at around 1500 meters altitude there and there is a climb actually in from the coast which is another 30k climb take you from beautiful beach right up into the into the mountain so that's somewhere that we we use as a, a third option people who want something okay. something different so just help me get my bearings where, where is Dalat? It's... Dalat's more in the south so you can okay. get the bus a night bus up there from Ho Chi Minh City say and then Da Nang okay, right. in the middle and then Hanoi right at the top so yeah this uh it, like, yeah, it's a it's a it's a crazy place to ride down there. And I, I like you actually, I went down I go down there not too often, but I went down and I did the road race that they do one weekday morning and then oh, I was heard with about a, well I wouldn't do it again I was with a, it was a German friend of mine who took me and it was complete insanity and after the ride I did question his sanity and did yeah, pointed out he had three <laughs> children and perhaps shouldn't do that every week but the shouldn't one in that. Hanoi yeah, is I've heard... safer yeah okay good good to know yeah I had heard about that infamous race in, in Ho Chi Minh coming um, up to a toll then... gate and I thought they won't race through the toll gate surely we'll stop and just have a little ceasefire while we go through that but no straight through the through, through the toll oh. gate so yeah gives you an idea but the one 
one in Hanoi is no traffic light, 25k, relatively safe, I promise. Sane, yeah, relatively safe. So in terms of the three options, they're, they're sort of the three core options, are they? Sort of up north, be it the, the east or west, the central and the latter as well, where, where you do your tours. What, what's the big variant between the three? Obviously, we talked about the, the terrain, the road quality, pretty consistent between all three areas. Does the food change depending on where, where you are in the country? Because that's another thing, people listening, it's quite easy to forget or not appreciate just how big Vietnam is as well. Yeah, the, the topography is very different. I mean, up north, you've got the, the really the grand mountain ranges. So the, you've got the highest peak up there is 3000 meters and you, you ride up to 1800 meters. Here in central Vietnam, it's still, still big mountains, but it isn't at that on that scale. And we do mostly kind of 11k climbs. There's one climb that's around 17 kilometers here. But if, it's, it's generally if people want to go really big and epic, then we go north. And the other thing is in here in central Vietnam, you've got the option of coast and mountains. So people like if they want to have more of holiday vibes, they want to yeah, be on the yeah, beach yeah. with a beer. And it's great. I love to do that. You know, you finish a tour on the beach with a beer in hand and have a fantastic meal, you know, with your toes in the sand. Then I get a lot of people want to come over to, especially from Europe, and they want to fit, have that that feeling of, of being in sort of tropical paradise mixed in with their with their cycling. Yeah. So, and then in, yeah, like I say, in Dalat, it's about the, it's more comfortable climate if you want that to feel less hot. So people who are coming over from Europe, they can find it very easy to slot in there and temperature-wise feel feel good. And yeah, the food is very different everywhere. Everybody in Vietnam is very proud of their the food in Vietnam and everybody's particularly proud of the food where they're from. So if you talk to anybody right. here, they'll, they'll, they'll tell you about their speciality of their, their area. And yeah, here in central Vietnam, it's a lot of, uh, of course, there's a lot of seafood we're right by the coast here in, in Da Nang. Uh, and that can be cooked just simple grilled seafood or like, the emphasis a lot of the time here is on, on herbs. So you'll have a lot of wraps where you just you stuff a lot of herbs in, in with your in with your seafood and, and enjoy it that way. And all the noodle dishes are very, very, very herb, herby and, and fragrant. Everything will come with a massive basket of herbs on the side. And up north, it's people are particularly proud of the, the pho, which is or pho, if, you know, P-H-O, which is, I think, yeah. pretty big. You can find plenty. Yeah, in London now, right? And can. There, so it's, so hang it. on, can we just just stop there? What's the actual proper pronunciation then? It's pho, is it? Yeah, it's well, it's pho, but if you want to be, <laughs> if you really want to give it some, it, you that you have to bend it so it has the haughty tone on it, so you say pho, but pho ah. would be would be good enough. And uh, yeah, in the north, everyone's proud of that, and then rightly so. I'm biased because I came into Viet, to Vietnam and to Hanoi, so I became influenced much more by the northern Vietnamese. But I think they're they're right. The fur up there is is fantastic. And one of the things about Hanoi, this isn't great for the veggies, but when you're in Hanoi, especially at lunchtime, you walk around and it's the whole all the streets is barbecue pork because they have the this dish bun cha, which is uh, like pork patty and then uh, bacon essentially, and all grilled on the open barbecue and grilled on the street. And they use fans to keep the charcoal going, which means that the the scent oh, of that is being is coming down the street constantly at you. So it around. Uh, yeah. it's very very good and again a massive basket of herbs comes on the side with that as well so yeah it, it's different everywhere you go but it's it's fantastic everywhere you go and it's honestly like in the in the in the towns it's much more there's much more variety when we get out onto the road and go remote it's more you get your sort of rice and vegetable and and meat dishes and then it, but always fur is available so if people are into that and most people are then yeah they're pretty happy with the with the food that's that on offer well. and coffee's big good. here too like cafe huge I'm just amount about of cafes to say, yeah and, yeah, am i the... right in saying that i think co- 
one of the biggest coffee countries in the world in terms of production? Export, yeah, second second biggest exporter. I mean, mostly it's robuster. Like the quality of a lot of it isn't amazing, but the the way they do it here with the ice and the condensed milk is pretty addictive. And especially if you're on a, on a ride, and that's caffeine and the sugar hitting one. So, but more and more places as well, uh, you have the more espresso style coffee shops. So here in Hoi An, there's I don't know. 10 at least 10 where you can go and get fantastic coffee and the best macchiato in the world is about 100 meters from my house here so uh and that's more of the arabica so increasingly people are growing arabica here and, and offering uh vietnam style iced coffee and then also the espresso style coffee as well but what we do is on the tour if people aren't into the iced coffee style then we just we just take a, an aeropress and a collection of different beans vietnamese beans with us and then get very uh, geeky about making AeroPress coffees along the way. So people are always catered for for their caffeine addictions. Funny how it's synonymous with cycling now, which is great. Um, I know we touched on it earlier, but I'm, I'm really interested to, to learn a little bit more about the Frontier event you're, you're trying to develop. Can, can you tell us a little bit about where that idea came from and, and where you want to take the event over the next few years? Yeah, so the, the Northern Frontier is the one that we ran for the first time last year. And that idea, I'd been th- playing with that for a long time. And the, the idea really came from the fact that it's the place I wanted to tie all my favourite climbs in the in the northeast and the direct north together. And I love I love racing my bike, but I also find racing a little bit stressful. And I wanted to tie in that competitive element with a relaxation element as well. So the idea of this is that that you, as I say earlier, you 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 race the segments if you want to, and but they're all uphill, so you haven't got to worry about someone taking you out. And you're generally strung out anyway because they're uphill. So uh, yeah, you get that competitiveness without without the stress. And so we did it last year and tested it with a group of around uh, 18 people and people loved it and I, I loved it and that's always a good sign I didn't I just enjoyed the uh, running it and I kind of took part got a little bit involved in some of the segment battles but yeah it's I, I think the concept is something that a lot of people who enjoy the racing but don't like the stress of it will, will appreciate yeah exactly um, so, I like it as well so talk us through the itinerary so if someone's flying in talk us through the four days how it works where they stay the, the whole give us the whole experience experience so for the northern one people fly into hanoi and then we'll all stay in one hotel together and have a, a dinner with a little bit of a briefing and then we wake up early doors the next day transfer for an hour out of town or an hour and a half until we get to the the good the good riding and then we do that first day is 180k and we, we right. roll pretty like, right. flat for 30k and then smash into a one of the first the first kom segments and then that day as i said earlier the, the the pavement the the tarmac on that is just incredible pretty much from start to finish super smooth and and, and it was it had just been finished actually when we when we read it last time and then we arrive in the northeast the capital of Kaobang province in the in the northeast the next day we can have a little bit of a later start because it's a bit shorter and we do around about i think there's four kom segments that next day and again fantastic road quality on that one and on, in that one we put in one segment which is a bit less less of a steep gradient so people who are a bit on the heavier side can uh, can battle for it and then we we end well, in a, that day in a town. yeah perfect <laughs> um and actually you can we 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 had a couple of teams on that one so we got into a bit of a we had i think it was three two teams of three in little pace lines taking on each other so you can have little team battles on it as well but also saying that we had a few people on it who really weren't like they're competing with themselves but they're not interested in getting a kom or they just want to get to the end of this thing it's like a challenge just to finish it So, um, yeah, yeah. and there's no divide between the people who are trying to be competitive for the top end and those people, I think because of the format of the event, 
somehow it just worked and everyone fitted together. So, um, yeah, the next day uh, we end in a town which really is kind of our end of nowhere and a pretty basic but very clean but pretty basic hotel. And, yeah, it's certainly not a place cyclists would normally find themselves in, but we got a great little restaurant next door and have a big feast. Um, and each night we give out the, the jerseys for either some, well, of course, some top segments or somebody who's done something particularly nice for other people or we have a little different reasons for, for doing that. And then uh, third day, we really get into the to the big hills. So that's when we get up to Hazang. And up there, there's a there's a pass called uh, Mata Pi Leng, which is, again, famous in Vietnam, but perhaps not famous outside it at all. But uh, stunning, just a completely mind-blowing climb that you've got. I put segments on that for the competition, but put a break in between them because you've got to stop and uh, take photos. So we got to uh, yeah, schedule in the photo breaks, which is always important on a bike tour. Uh, and then we end up really far up north. But this, uh, the town up there has become a bit of uh, quite popular with sort of local, like the Vietnamese tourists on mo- motorbikes. So you've got a lot more uh, facilities up there and a couple of quite cool little bars. So that night, we in the, even though we're in the middle of nowhere, we go out and have a decent few beers uh, in a in a quite a nice bar. Uh, and then the last day is another huge day with. Uh, massive climbs and then we finish in a in a little homestay a little uh, thai i think minority still house outside uh, the town and have a big feast uh, to finish the day and then next time uh, i think we'll opt for the option that you people can either stay there for the night and relax or we're going to put on more kind of limo luxury uh, buses with cycling videos to bring them back to to Hanoi because that was the one thing I got to admit last time we used uh, more sort of standard minivans which weren't so good so we've learned that and we'll definitely make it a little bit more uh, of a luxury experience bringing the cyclists back back into the city so yeah it's 17 KOMs over the course of those four days and uh, around about 9,000 meters and about 600 Ks so that's the northern one and then I'm going to make one here, which I've done the first few recon recce rides for, which I was going to call Central Frontier until uh, someone, again, you might know, Guy from Hong Kong, he came over and did the, the re- one of the recce's with me and pointed out that Western Frontier would be a better name. And he's yeah, very right. Yeah, well- so uh, yeah. the central one is Western and uh, next week or in a couple of weeks, I'll be going to test a stage for that, which is going to be potentially 230k, which I'm not sure is too much or uh, so i think it is too much but i'm gonna go and test it anyway so it's 230k on a very remote road the ho chi minh west road which is Mate. hugging the border with Laos, so hence uh, yeah. western frontier and yeah. we'll find out about that one soon so i'll either do uh, a 230k day in that or somehow chop it up transfer people into it a little way but that one will be another four day monster with i probably put 17 to 20 koms in it and the same format so race the kom segments and enjoy the riding in between those segments and when are you planning what time of year are you planning to hold both these events moving forward so the northern will run in uh october november time and the western will run in late march early april next year but this year we might run a a test event on the western one maybe even september october time but i'll uh, certainly be putting that on unfound when it's uh, the yeah, right time. definitely. And if people are interested, I mean, what I love about these kind of things is that not only do you have epic cycling, you're also exploring new places. The food's amazing. The culture's amazing. It's like a whole round experience, which is so unique and I think so interesting. If people are interested in getting involved, they can drop. We'll put all your contact details on the show notes and stuff like that. But they can get in touch either about these events or any other sort of trips that they may want to do. Yeah, absolutely. As I say, normally when people get in touch, the the, the next day. Pages, a, a chat on whatsapp or, or whatever and i'm always happy to, to have a more of a personal chat about what people are looking for yeah yeah is there anything else that that 
you know people that might have listened to this and, and sort of pricked their ears and, and interest that you can tell them around cycling in Vietnam how easy it is and and the options available to them is there anything that you feel that people may make some misconceptions or they should know prior to booking a play or thinking about a trip yeah I mean I think one of the misconceptions is has been uh, <laughs> nicely reinforced by your Ho Chi Minh City experience which is that it's a bit insane on the roads here and and it is of course in the t- <laughs> you're dead dead right and I as I say I've I've had that experience too in the city particularly that city it's uh it's pretty pretty intense but when you're out on the roads here it's really cyclist friendly people always comment you hear the the toot toot of the horn quite often here but it's it's but just to let you know that they're, they're coming so when you're out in the mountains you'll hear the toot toot and, uh, and after very quickly you get used to it and actually you appreciate it and often they're toot tooting yeah. to say hello and like a thumbs up so people are generally really happy to see cyclists on the road and very welcoming and the other thing is i think because everybody's come off if they've got a car there's they're going to have ridden a motorbike before everybody in vietnam's had a motorbike and most people have bike have been cyclists as well so there are people are much more aware of the, the being on a two-wheel vehicle rather than in a in a car so yeah i always exactly feel I, I was just going to say actually I, th- I think for anyone that's listening that's that's hasn't cycled in asia before i think that when you go to countries obviously ho chi minh central central aside when once you get out i think most drivers are more aware of cyclists than anywhere in the world i've ever ridden because they're so used to mopeds and motorbikes being yeah. everywhere they're, they're used to looking out for them so i actually bizarrely or if it, it seems a little bit more hectic it actually feels safer in a lot of ways absolutely yeah when i go back to the england and ride around Norfolk or, or Cambridge here where my family and my wife's family are. It always terrifies me how close people come and pass yeah, and, exactly, and don't yeah. meet to let me know they're coming, <laughs> which is something I've just yeah. got so used to that they would, they would, they would do that, which is they're all, they're upon you and, and very close. So yeah, it's for sure. It feels, it feels a lot, a lot safer. And, but the fact is mostly out in the more remote places that we go, you just don't see people. Uh, you don't see cars. And if, if you do see vehicles, they're normally, uh, normally motorbikes. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's a big, big part of it. And also, yeah, just the, ease of access really like i say you can fly into both these airports and be out on the bike that same day and into beautiful mountain scenery very 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 quickly so uh yeah and if i'd say as well if people are i don't suppose unfound has too many listeners who don't like hills but if people are the kind of cyclists that are into more sort of easy tourist friendly riding we don't do the tours down there much but but the mekong delta is dead flat if you want a very very easy ride you know, maybe with family or kids, you can always go down there and, and, and get you something can else. Do that. But yeah, you can. We just don't. <laughs> but it's, the, it's there for sure. Yeah. I think we cover most of them off. But in terms of if you were if I was to press you now and say your, your absolute favorite climb in Vietnam, what what would what would it be? Although it sounds like you're still discovering new roads and new climbs every month. But what's your favorite one? Yeah, that is very hard. I think I'd have to say I have to split it into different parts of the country. So my favourite climb is also my least favourite climb. And that's called, in English, we call Monkey Mountain. And uh, in Vietnamese, they call uh, Kee Zao, which is Old Monkey, which is on that peninsula right by the airport in Da Nang. So you could be off the plane and on that. So it's probably three kilometres away from that, from the airport, which is uh, 5.6k at 10%. And it just is 10% all the time. So there's no lab on it. And uh, once you're at the top there, it's, yeah, it's pretty horrific. Yeah, but the view at the top is just fantastic, and that's also the place where you can see this endangered red chank Dirk Langer if you're very lucky. So there for the for the central Vietnam and for the north, probably Ba Vi Mountain because it's the first mountain that I really fell in love with in Vietnam, and it's I, I did a Everesting on that mountain, so it has a kind of special place in my heart. So that's a around about 11.5k at eight percent, yeah, and through it's a national park. Hang on, I've, so if you go early, there's I no roads. About that. 
there's no roads, there's no yeah, cars. You, there's no cars on there, nice and quiet. So you are a serial Everester, aren't you? How many have you done? Uh, three Everestings, and so two in Vietnam and one back in England. Okay, okay. where was the other one um, in Vietnam you've done? So there's uh, the climb, the local climb outside ha- Hanoi is a 2.5k, 10%, but that is a complete lie of a gradient so there's a few flats in there so there actually is a lot of pitches at 20 percent or so but which sounds bad but it's not as bad as rhinos pass which a lot of the uk listeners all know <laughs> in england which is a bit of a beast but i did that on the most what? amazing day in, in summer a couple of years ago so uh i got lucky with the weather in one way and it was a fantastic light but also a, a headwind brutal climb the only thing is not as bad as the hard knock pass just next to it which is uh which would be ridiculous and somebody has ever did that and i would question their, their sanity for sure sanity yeah, really amazing yeah, yeah. cycling for uh for people who don't know uh, the uk i don't know which cycling tour company is running good tours up in uh in the lake district but for sure if i wasn't from that part of the world i'd be very very keen to take a holiday there because the, the riding up there is just uh incredible yeah spectacular part of the world of the three everesting attempts which was the the hardest rhinos absolutely and i don't think any i'll never do anything i'd never take on a, a climb like that before again for an everesting it's ridiculous yeah but they there's pictures on that 25% for way too long. So I don't, people who aren't familiar with English roads, the country lanes here have little things we call passing places, which are so one car can squeeze in and another car can, can squeeze past them. And they have a few of those on Rhino's Pass, which they're at on the points that are about 25%. And the, the passing place is no less steep than the other place. But psychologically, I was just having to convince myself just to make it to that next little passing spot and then stop in it and then try and get clipped in to go again was bloody hard. So that was, uh, yeah, psychologically and physically the hardest hardest of all of them for sure and the other one the bar v1 at 11k 8% is much more of a that's about right I think if you can if you're looking for an Everesting you can find something around 8% and somewhere around that 9 10k mark is uh, perfect I think you think that's a sweet spot interesting yeah interesting would you do another one uh me and Ash have talked about doing Haivan on a tandem so that might happen but I don't know if either of us can spend that much time in each other's company but we'll see and he's also pointed out it's quite hard to quite hard to climb on a tandem but actually he's done yeah. tandem tours two times with the vision impaired all the way from Sapa to uh to Hanoi so that's another thing actually that's uh that's available here so yeah tandem tandem tours is a thing but so yeah maybe we'll do that one and then monkey mountain i was talking about earlier is maybe i'll do that with a an ultra runner that i'm friends with here who's who loves that mountain too we've talked about him running it and me me riding it one day so yeah it might maybe he would run an everest yeah he he this time he will sensibly use the in the rules of the everest thing you can take a motorbike down so you don't have to run the oh, descent but he did do uh he did do one on trail which he took something like 36 hours and the trail looked it wasn't it was the vague the most loosest sense of a trail like rocky technical and so of course he couldn't take a motorbike down that so we did up and down so yeah whenever i'm thinking and everything's hard how yeah, long did that take him yeah i think it was 34 35 36 hours something like that he's uh, pretty impressive I feel that I've rabbited on a lot, but in terms of, I just wanted to go quickly because I know that you've, you've done quite a lot on the trail running side in Vietnam as well. And you've done a lot also, quite a bit of sort of charity and community work in, over there as well. Can you quickly tell us a little bit about that if you've got time? Yeah. So first up, the for the charity work, I do a lot of work with Newborns Vietnam. So Newborns Vietnam, a few years ago, all their money came from cycling events uh just actually epic challenges sapper to danang for example and then more recently um business rides asian we call asian business rides bringing people in for a three-dayer and uh so i get involved on those as ride a ride leader or a ride captain together with a few other cyclists and 
and we run them voluntarily. And so that's Newborns Vietnam. And then I started a, a climb event, which is called the Isla Climbing Challenge, which is outside Hanoi on that Zom climb. So it's concept there is you're two hours and you climb it as many times as you like. So that brings together people from their cycling clubs in Hanoi and some people will ride it one time and that because it's such a beast like that's been done and other people ride two three four five climbs and the idea is they just put the money in the pot themselves so and people are very generous so some people have thrown in like 500 bucks or a thousand bucks from their own pocket and rather than try and get sponsorship which of course is quite hard with like donor fatigue now it's just throwing money yourself so that's yeah something that I, i'm involved with on a personal level very passionate about that charity and uh, yeah. yeah that ties in actually with the, the trail runs here we have uh, like i said when i first came there weren't any and uh, we started one in 2013 we had around 200 people on the start line and I think two or three Vietnamese people and this year we've had well last year we had around 8,000 runners over three events and up to 90% Vietnamese participation so it's completely absolutely shifted 100% uh, the the trail running scene here in Vietnam over those over those yeah it's incredible that that endurance I suppose the endurance community both cycling and running is just in the 10 years you've been out there has just exploded hasn't it particularly running and yeah, cycling is, is, has grown, but the trail running is just, like I say, it's, it's five people to probably 7,000 people running up to 100K in the mountains. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. And Ironman as well, actually. They, they started with, in a country, a lot of people don't swim. And you had people here who, you know, they don't do, uh, won't do a sprint or an Olympic distance first. It's, I'll just sign up for an Ironman and get a swimming teacher at the same time and then hope to not get cut off in the swim and complete my first 70.3 and a lot of people do it so it, it's just a it's a really fun place to be in terms of people just being not only passionate but it's something new so there's a very special special feeling here at the moment in that in the sport community so yeah yeah that's brilliant it's quite a quick 70.3 course isn't it yeah it's super fast it re- I mean, yeah. I mean, it's dead flat but also the road is very very quick between so they from Nang along the coast super fast there's just one bridge to go over and uh, the problem for the I, I don't do the whole thing i just as a cyclist do the do the relay and i'm always very happy to get off the bike and go and get my free beer because the, the runners have to then go out on the, like stupidly hot normally so i've got a lot of respect for the people who managed to, to knock out the whole all three disciplines on that one yeah a lot of people come back again and again for it so even though it's, it's yeah it's super hot but it's like yeah a lot of people pb on it on the course and actually we had a girl come over from china katrine she won that whole thing her age group and then the next day came on a velo wow. vietnam tour went out and took all the qoms did a 130k ride the next day so oh, yeah it works great. well yeah. as a recovery after some sort of recovery after it if people want to do that well that's what it means people can plug on some some riding with you guys after after the nang 70.3 and do you do any kind of have you had done any tours where people who are come over and done some trail running and also some cycling and mix it all up as well yeah so like for emma pooley's a good example of that because she's really she describes herself as a as a sort of a frustrated runner she's she was a runner first and then obviously becomes a champion cyclist but she she would go out and knock out sort of 21ks before a 150k ride and so it, particularly in one of the races i started is in a nature reserve just outside hanoi in uh, pulung it's called vietnam jungle marathon and so yeah. we run a lot of our gravel tours go out through that way so if people want to then uh we can put together a, a trail run on the on the trails that we use for that vietnam jungle marathon and also actually what we started to do is ride people on some of the sections as well not all of it's rideable but we can reroute it around so people can ride that or run it if they're if they're into that and i'm i always love it if people like a uh, trail running as well because we can we can mix the two together so yeah it has crossed my mind to try and actually mash them together in a in a trail run 
and gravel tour, but I think the market for that is probably a little bit small. <laughs> but if people, if anyone's listening and wants to do that kind of thing, then uh, yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, I think there's the, we've barely sort of touched the surface or scraped past the surface today. I mean, this sounds like there's so many different options, different places to go, cycling for all abilities. I think it's best if, if anyone's interested in learning a little bit more to drop David an email and he can get the ball rolling in terms of what could potentially be suitable for your touring party or your small group or whatever. But amazing place to go cycle by the sounds of things. Yeah, you need to come over, Jules. <laughs> Not to hope you in this time. <laughs> I know. Well, I have been a couple of times, but sadly, sadly we haven't connected. But yeah, I'm desperate. I mean, I'd, I've really enjoyed getting back on the UK roads. It's after a decade away, you forget how good some of the cycling is in the UK. But I, I do miss Asia, and I think I miss it for that exact reason. A, a, the cycling is fantastic, but it's it's everything off the bike as well. It's the whole experience. I think that's you know you go away and you have a, a holiday and a cycling trip, and you learn something, and you see different cultures, and you try new food and you see different things so that's i love that whole that whole package of it which is um yeah why hopefully i'll be back out in asia before too long i might even get myself out for one of these frontier events as well that would be awesome well, is if there not, anything- i'll certainly see you on the roads of london next time i'm back Oh, definitely. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you out here. Have we covered everything? Uh, I know we've only sort of touched the surface, but as a sort of quick quick introduction to, to Vietnam, I think we've covered most things. Yeah, I think that's about it. I've got one one more question, actually, that I think I forgot to ask you earlier on. We talked about some of your favourite climbs, but we touched on accommodation. But where are your favourite places to stay? What's your favourite accommodation in Vietnam? Again, it's it's hard to choose one, and uh, so I think I'll cheat and pick two. So, one the higher end of the accommodation, definitely Topaz Eco Lodge, which is up in uh, the Sapa region, but around 25k out of town. This is an amazing lodge on uh, on a hilltop, which uh, has a, an infinity pool looking out over the mountain. Oh, so you, I've seen the photo the of that. Yeah, yeah that I think I amazing. To you before. Yeah, it's, so it's the best yeah. place for me to finish a mountain day. So you've got a big climb up to that. And then generally we'll try and finish a ride there at sunset, or at least in time oh, wow. for sunset, so we can have a beer by the pool or in the pool looking out over the mountains. So that's at the kind of more luxury end of the accommodation. And then for the more sort of minority, ethnic minority, traditional stilt house, I definitely would choose somewhere in the, the Pulung Nature Reserve. I was talking about because it's where we run the, the Jungle Marathon. So I know a lot of the families that, that live there oh, very man. well. So. If you stay with one of those yeah. families, then it's a really authentic experience, to use a cliche. But yeah, stay with the family and have a proper home-cooked meal and, and stay in the stilt house and a much more basic. But I think an experience, like you talk about the experiences that you have in Asia, I think that live, staying there is one that will stay with yeah. people for a long time. So so those two would oh, be my picks. No, that's fantastic. And I think that sums up the whole conversation and experience, really. With regards to the lodge with the infinity pool, would you mind sharing um, a link that I can put in the show notes? Because that photo that I've seen um, is just quite spectacular. I don't think we can kind of do it justice. It's absolutely wonderful view over the over the paddy fields, isn't it? Right. Yeah, I'll send it through. And then uh, the, it's my wife in the pool in that photo. So oh, there you go. There you go. That's obviously a big, big factor there in why it's such a why it's such a shot. Yeah, I'll send that through. Thank you very much for the for the chat. Yeah, definitely, mate. Really appreciate you taking the time. And we'll make sure that everyone drops you a line if they're uh, interested in getting out to Vietnam in the near future, as I hope I can as well. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Cheers, David. Thanks Cheers. a lot. Good to speak to you. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Welcome to the show. Today, I'm joined by Rob McManon. Rob is the founder of Bike Tour Japan. He's been running tours all over Japan for a number of years now. We have a chat about how he ended up in Japan, 
and what makes Japan such a spectacular place to go ride your bike. Before we kick on, if you haven't yet, please do give us a rating for the podcast, leave a review, tell your friends, spread the word. We'd really appreciate any help you can give us with that. And of course, as ever, download the Unfound app and join the global cycling community today. Enjoy the conversation. 